0: What's up everybody? This week we had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Patrick Owen. Dr. Patrick Owen is a McGill University professor who has a PhD in human nutrition and a master's in botanical science. He teaches a graduate's course on the effects of plant compounds on human physiology and brain function. He also owns a nutrition consultation practice that uses an evolutionary and functional approach to health. We got to dive into a lot of interesting subjects such as gut biome, intermittent fasting, um, the keto diet, the carnivore diet, which is a big trend right now, cold showers, and all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, this. This was a really fascinating discussion. Sammy and I spoke about it after the show that it's one of those episodes that you need to re-listen to and take notes because there's just so much practical information there that we can apply to our day-to-day life. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast as much as Sammy and I did and gained some type of value from it. What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl.
1: And I'm Sammy Sheva.
0: And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience.
1: We do not endorse anything illegal. So please consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps.
2: How did you guys start Curious Chimp?
1: What was the, uh, what was the passion behind it? Honestly, uh, I talked about this with a friend yesterday, and we kind of started off with this idea of um, promoting uh, psychedelics, actually, really? of all things. Yeah. So we, we kind of came together from a massage course, and we had a lot of ideas of like uh, holistic health and all these things. And then he introduces me to the things like uh, – well, specifically, ayahuasca. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's the it's the big one. It's the popular guy these days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then it just kind of turned into like, hey, we want to get some guests on, and then it's like, honestly, self help and and uh, psychedelic experiences, maybe without the actual plant medicines, and uh, just like uh, a kind of community building as well. Tur- like like we we're kind of exploring it as we go, and now. Uh,
2: you guys know yeah. that
1: I teach, I teach a class at McGill called Herbs, Foods, and Phytochemicals, and we actually
2: look at the biochemistry and the phytochemistry of ayahuasca as part of the
1: course. Interesting. Whoa. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was actually, um, at noon, I was, uh, McGill is having these, uh, all of, fall, all of the, the classes in the fall semester are going to be taught virtually online. Um. And it's causing a lot, a lot of havoc and fear, and because a lot of professors just, you know, they're old and they just don't know how to not do exams, or right? you can't do exams virtually. And um, I don't know. It's just I mean, I'm, I'm getting nervous because they're saying like, I know a lot of you have already started to prepare, and I'm thinking like, shit, I'm, I i have not done anything to prepare. I, <laughs> I guess I'm younger than your average old professor, but ooh, so. Oh, well. uh, yeah, i got to figure out, instead of exams, i got to do assignments. And uh, one of the assignments, um, well, it's, I'm always at war with the ethics community. That's one of the assignments, I would have loved this as an assignment, was try an herb or, or a medicinal plant or a supplement that's you know botanical and do an end-of-one study. You know, everyone does it. There's no danger in it, as long as it's not Hmm. psychedelic. Ethics shot me, shot me down. This is you cannot ask a student to take something for marks. But it's like, it's like cinnamon. It's fine. (laughs) it's rosemary. It's like, they said, nope, you can't. I go, damn it. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) That's too bad. That sounds really cool. That's the kind of teacher I want. It's like, get your hands dirty. See what's going on. Like, we're all scientists.
2: Yeah, I thought my war with the ethics office, yeah, they know me well this semester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, if, if my uh, 90s, uh, you know, like Patch Adams movies and stuff like that has taught me anything, it's that you're doing a good job. <laughs> you're missing somebody off.
0: Okay, That's just, just, uh, we're recording. Um, if you want to just do a little intro so everyone knows who you are, and uh, we'll continue from there.
2: Sure. I'm Dr. Patrick Bowen. I um, I have a PhD in nutrition from McGill University. I'm actually a lecturer at McGill University in the School of Dietetics and Human Nutrition. Um, I teach a course about herbs, foods, and phytochemicals. But on the side, what I do is I have a business, a a consultation business, all about ancestral health and functional nutrition, which is basically trying to help people lose weight, get, get healthier, overcome metabolic disorders using an evolutionary approach. Mm. Interesting. Mm.
1: Wow. I, I got to be honest, like, <laughs> like um, when, we were, when we spotted you and, and Nate was telling me we we're going to get this guy as a guest, like I was so excited. And then I, I kind of, I don't know if Nate did the same thing, but I kind of promised myself to do like almost like as little research as possible. I'm like, this is <laughs> like, we're going to just let this guy talk. We're going to have so many natural questions come up. Like, like we're going in dry and just, just the intro and the, the, the fact that you like ayahuasca is part of your curriculum practically. Like that's that's fascinating. Like I'm, I'm stoked. Not even a minute. We actually,
2: this is the way I designed it. I actually designed it so that we look at the nervous system first. Now I know that your, um, experiences with ayahuasca and other psychedelics, they're kind of pleasurable, but from a plant's point of view, the plant is just, (laughs) yeah, depending right. (laughs) But from a plant's point of view, it only has one purpose, to discourage it from being eaten. So all right. these things that have a biological effect on us, they were developed either to protect from its environment, right? As soon as life emerged from the oceans, uh, plants obviously conquered the land way before any kind of animals. And plants had to protect themselves from dangerous UV rays. So they protected themselves with waxy cuticles, antioxidants, um, uh, retaining water, uh, increased vitamin and uh, mineral absorption from the air and the soil as well. But then when animals came on land, they had to protect themselves from being eaten. And they developed a huge chemical and uh, physical, like thorns and spikes and things. Mm. But uh, chemicals, they had to go chemicals because there's like this battle of evolution. Whereas if a, if a plant developed these massive spikes, then you have a dinosaur, for example, who can just, like, crunch these spikes. And so there's been a – it's a chemical – it's chemical warfare out in nature. Mm. And it just so happens that some of these chemicals elicit a kind of pleasurable or beneficial and nutritional uh, benefit amongst us. But if we were insects or smaller mammals, we'd be screwed. Wow. If, if we <laughs> – Ayahuasca, which is the vine Banisteriopsis capi, well, we wouldn't have an effect because we need another, like, and we have a, we need an MAO inhibitor, right? So, yeah. but, but let's just say uh, you eat a psychedelic plant, your ability to, to survive has diminished greatly. So, if a line pops out and then you're high, you won't survive. <laughs> so, the plant has done its job. Does that make <laughs> sense?
1: Yeah, the, the plants.
2: Wow. If, if you look at the, from the point of view of plants, plants are, they can be evil if you think about it. Look at soy. A lot of legumes actually have estrogenic effects. They mess up your sex hormones. So mm-hmm. when an insect or a small mammal or amphibian, whatever, eats these, these kind of plants, they're not able to reproduce. That's, that's the plant's greatest weapon. You're mm-hmm. going to eat meat? I'm going to make sure you're not going to have any babies.
1: Whoa. <laughs> I, never, I never thought of it that way. Like in, in the smaller, in the smaller animal world, animal kingdom, like you're really messing with this, these, these tiny volatile systems, whereas you're just kind of like, like, I, I, I know, I know this term, uh, from, uh, from, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. she talks about hormesis a lot. Yeah, And it's, it's about the idea that there's natural pesticides in plants and it is hurting you and it's like it's hurting you a little bit and it's actually creating this kind of like uh, immunity response. Like you're kind of getting a callus in a way, like in a very simplistic way. So if you're a fly, like your, ex- your stomach explodes or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: that's exactly it.
1: Uh, but yeah. someone
2: asked, a student of mine asked me, what about gluten? Is, is gluten a hormetic thing, Right. And it's not, because hormesis means that if you take a small bit of it, it's beneficial. But if you take too much of it, that's harmful. So it has a U-shaped curve, right? But gluten has zero benefit. So it's not considered, considered hormetic. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so there's ex- just no... Exercise, exercise cold showers. Um, certain phytochemicals certainly do promote hormesis, where you just have a little bit, and there's an actual benefit to it. It's good. But in terms of gluten, lectins, um, oxalates, these things that disrupt your gut bacteria, your gut flora, a digestion, they cause leaky gut has zero benefits. So it's nothing to do with hormesis.
0: Hmm. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to ask you on that key point about soy because that's like a big um, alternative that's being pumped out for the vegan movement and all that. And I'm hearing mixed signals from is soy good or bad? Is it producing more estrogen in the body? and all that stuff. I personally stay away from it, but I, I'm not well informed on what the effects soy actually has on the body. So maybe you can just uh, enlighten me a little bit on that one.
2: Sure. Well, soy does have a lot of benefits. In, in the East, where it's used traditionally, it is associated with reduced rates of breast cancer, and that makes sense. Um, there are two major phytoestrogens, which means that there are compounds that mimic the effects of estrogen. And since breast cancer is a hormone-based um, or hormone-sensitive cancer, uh, it makes sense. Now, here in the West, however, there's an inverse relationship. The more soy that you eat, the higher your risk of breast cancer. So what the hell is going on?
0: Yeah.
2: The answer is simple. In Asia, the main source of soy consumption is fermented soy. So fermented soy is miso, natto, um, and tempeh. Whereas mm. here, the main – I laugh at this – the main source of soy is cookies, ice cream, uh, I don't know and not even tofu mm. soy soy is the most ubiquitous plant on the planet because it's in almost everything. when you look at the labels of everything and it says "Make it contain corn or soy, oil yeah. or starch it's, it's everywhere it's, it's everywhere, just like corn it's subsidized it's um, so. Can it affect with your hormone systems? That's a very gray area in research, very, very gray. There are some studies that say yes, men who consume more soy will have reduced testosterone. But there are other studies that will debunk that, will show the opposite. So it's my opinion that, well, if I get into the opinion of nutrition research, it's, (laughs) I'm actually, I I hate nutrition research actually. (laughs) Because it's hard to pinpoint one food in such a complex system mm. as a human diet. It's a good point. Um, but if I, were to, if I were to really look at it, it makes sense to me. And if it makes sense from an evolutionary point of view, then I, I try to stay away from it. And so I discourage it. So if, if a vegan comes to me or a vegetarian who is eating a lot of soy, they will have a meal plan that is packed with tempeh and miso. Nice. I don't know if you guys have you ever tasted Natto? Natto. That N-T-T-O. I never had. T O check out on YouTube the Natto Challenge. It is a okay. disgusting, slimy, snotty <laughs> challenge. challenge. I, I had it. I challenged it with my some of my friends at the gym. I brought it in the gym, which was a bad idea because <laughs> you, you turn a stinky place into an even more stinkier place. It was it was a lot of fun.
1: Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to I w I don't wanna I don't wanna derail your your uh like the topic or anything but I'm just curious like is there any times when people shouldn't eat fermented foods I feel like I've heard about that like like there's some people where like kombucha or something like makes them worse this is now we're getting in like we're jumping into gut bacteria stuff so like yeah I know it's a it's another conversation altogether but I'm just curious
2: well some of the latest research here's 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 the idea to ferment a food you need certain bacteria And we figure, well, these foods contain bacteria, beneficial bacteria. And if we eat more of them, we're basically just putting in some good guys into our gut. Um, But here's the sad fact. More and more research, more up-to-date research shows that the more fermented foods you eat does not necessarily benefit your gut flora. And again, I believe that it's because of the complex all-around, not only human diet, but also our stress levels. Our exercise levels, our exposure to sunlight, um, all these things affect human health. And all of this will affect your gut bacteria. So say, for example, Sammy, let's just take you for example. You're super stressed. You're not sleeping well, right? Uh, You're experiencing more constipation. And all of a sudden, you're eating a whole bunch more uh, fermented food. Well, think of your gut as being really blasted right we're taking we're bombarding this forest of microflora so you basically have a a very barren field you're not healthy you're not digesting well you're not sleeping well the whole thing right you're going down a a downwards path (laughs) so by reintroducing good bacteria that might sound like a good thing but in fact what you need to do first is lay the soil down lay the good foundation down so say for example you're eating too much sugar you're too much stressed Uh, too stressed, you're eating way too many refined foods and processed foods, you're actually promoting the growth of bad bacteria or pathogenic bacteria. So what you need to do is actually reduce the amount of pathogenic bacteria in order to reintroduce the beneficial bacteria. So if you're taking a lot of fermented foods, you're not going to have much more effect. And if anything, you're just going to disrupt your system. And of course, we're all very individual with how sensitive we are to these disruptions. Mm. So- These disruptions are easy. If you guys eat sugar or processed foods and you quit cold turkey, guaranteed within the first two or three days, you're going to feel like crap. Absolutely. You're going to feel like this is horrible. I'm eating vegetables. I feel like puking. I'm eating healthy. Why do I feel like you're going through a transition? And the transition begins. You're starving out the pathogenic bacteria that rely on sugar and junk and processed foods. And of course, the bacteria communicate with your brain via your, uh, your immune system and your nervous system, your enteric nervous system. And, uh, the brain also becomes addicted to these kind of sugars and processed foods because they're given the signal, Hey, we want mm. this, give us more. We got it. And then that sets the circle for cravings and yeah. even more addiction to carbohydrates and sugar.
0: I, I'll use, u- sorry, I'll use myself as an example. Cause, yeah. um, I honestly, like, I've said it a few times in the podcast, but I, I have a legit addiction to uh, processed foods and, like, junk food, like, the, that whole category. And I've been able to control it with IF, the intermittent fasting. Perfect. And um, more recently, well, I've been doing keto on and off for years. And then now, more recently, I've been on pretty strict carnivore diet. And nice. I, found, I found, for me personally, that's been, like, the, the life-changing experience just doing carnivore all-meat. But I've noticed, because I've been on and off, so I noticed when I go back on carnivore, which was two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I was going through, like, withdrawal symptoms. Like, I literally started having sweats. I started feeling, like, dizzy, nauseous, craving sugar, craving specific things that I would go out and buy at night, you know? And it's like, I was really understanding the deep connection between the gut and the mind. Almost gave in a few times, but, like, it's crazy how it's embedded in there. And And it can actually dictate your decisions you mm-hmm. know 100 percent. yeah man it was a uh, it was a so how long
2: how long have you been on the carnivore diet
0: so i've this is my second time going on it i usually do it for one to two months and then i go back to keto and then i'll go back to carnivore but i'm two and a half two weeks in right now but i'm going to continue because i've never felt this good before like i think i'm finally getting a uh, I'm getting my, uh, my, my trek on, you know?
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. I put a couple of my clients on the carnivore diet because they were suffering from severe autoimmune disorders. And mm-hmm. <laughs> ironically, all four of them were ex-vegans. <laughs> so now they're, they're doing a complete 180. And uh, one of them couldn't do it just like mentally. They just like, you know, just, they just felt horrible. But the mm-hmm. other three, amazing, amazing results. So. Wow. I went on Narcity once to actually talk about the carnivore diet, and I think the main benefits is that it's kind of it's something similar to a protein um, sparing modified fast. So, okay. so the carnivore, you know, you've heard these these myths about meat takes like years to digest in the gut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard a
0: steak used to take eight hours to digest. That was what yeah. I was taught,
2: you know, It is. it does slow digest, but it doesn't just like rot in your
1: stomach. I mean, that's just fallacy. They say it petrifies or something yeah, like exactly. it stays there for days. It's like, no, man, like, but my friend was like, I know a guy who's got like a, those colostomy bags or something. And it's like, dude, it's, it's out there in a couple of like minutes, hours, like it's, it's not how humans work.
2: And it's out there, right? So they actually did studies with colostomy bags, and they found out that there's very little. You eat meat, and there's very little that, that comes out compared mm-hmm. to an omnivorous diet. We have all these undigestible fibers and undigested food materials. So okay. that actually proves that we digest almost 100% of meat and fat.
1: Yeah, that's 100%. interesting. So like, the benefits of fasting is that the, the machine can like run itself clean, sort of. So meat runs through the machine clean. It's like clean fuel in that sense. Like I never I never knew that. I didn't think of it that way. Well,
2: clean what's clean? <laughs>
1: I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, there's less stuff, you know, like I am I'm, I'm just I'm relating it to the the benefits that I think about when I think about fasting, you know, like the you're, you're, instead of running the machine and kind of putting like miles on your engine in in a, in a in a, okay, again, in a simple yeah. way. So there's 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 like it's, it's using every part of a cow in a, in a, in a literal sense. <laughs> you got a point. The be- one of the main benefits of fasting is you give a break to your digestive system. Hmm. And if
2: you give a break to your digestive system, you give a break to your immune system. And mm-hmm. one of the main reasons, it's called autophagy, right? So once you, once you get rid of these really high energy demanding systems like digestion, then your body is free to take all that energy to clean house. And we're only going to see this through extended fast, right? We're thinking like between 32 and 36 hours of fasting. Okay. The carnivore diet doesn't put you into autophagy, but it kind of mimics fasting because you absorb so much of the meat fast and nothing against fiber. Fiber is amazingly beneficial for you, but more and more research shows that we actually make our own fiber. It's called mucin Mucin. from the mucus mucus of our own digestive system. Hmm. And... Yeah. So I think the whole field of nutrition, uh, because of these extreme diets, we have to rethink about the importance of things that we thought were like crucial before. Uh, but again, it has to be, it has to be in the context. So say for example, you're doing, you're switching from carnivore to keto guaranteed that you're going to feel like crap if your cortisol is too high because of too much stress. For mm-hmm. example. So then too much stress means that your increased appetite, increased carb cravings, and you actually, your serotonin is going to go down. So if you're stressed and you're avoiding carbs, you're actually going to feel more and more and more like shit as the yeah. days go by. And so, yeah, so all of a sudden you refeed with carbs and you feel so much better. Is it, is it the carbs or is it the cortisol or is it the serotonin? That's, it's your life encompassed, you know? absolutely if if you say like hey i've been working on this project for two weeks i haven't been outside very much i've been sitting on my butt that alone can raise your cortisol heck watching too much screen time and we're all we're all in front of screens way more because of the quarantine Mm -hmm. just more screen time will raise cortisol more netflix will raise cortisol not that it's stressful because we're being stimulated Mm -hmm. and cortisol is an action hormone if you're stimulated because you got to check out social media and netflix and and youtube um all that constant stimulation we're afraid of being bored yeah and this gets into a huge thing about
1: dopamine and dopamine addiction but yeah all that is related to cortisol as well Hmm. it makes me uh it makes me think of the cold showers also and like wim Hof, and how he promotes adrenaline in his body and how again i don't know this stuff well i'm just kind of parroting but like cortisol will stay in the system and it'll kind of wreak havoc. Whereas adrenaline's gonna come in and I don't know if I'd say hormesis in this in this instance. Yep. Also, yeah. So it, it it will stress you, but it will leave quickly. And there's all these benefits because it's it, it's like a it's a hormone or something. Like it's it's doing it's doing its job and getting out. Whereas cortisol is is lingering and you're it's literally the thing that's signaling you to be stressed out. And then you're you're constantly re-upping so it becomes chronic instead of acute. And you got it. I love no... you guys. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're curious. I'm proud of our keto. Wim Hof, man. You guys, yeah. are, my, you guys are my tribe. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's the, it's how you I, told, your I told you, we didn't prepare for this at all. We're like, <laughs> let's just talk to this guy. It's going to be great.
2: So, the uh, benefit actually, this is a true story. I've actually gotten um, two people off of antidepressants by using cold showers as a thing. Wow. And here's how it works. So cortisol is an action hormone, so it gets you up naturally in the morning. Is a cortisol awakening response, but it's also stress. So cortisol is an ancient, ancient hormone because it's action. And the opposite of cortisol is melatonin. And so that dictates your sleep-wake cycle, your circadian rhythm. It's a balance of cortisol in the morning. It dies down at night, and it lets lets melatonin rise up, and that's that... That hormonal dance. So, nature and evolution don't like to reinvent the wheel. So, they figure well, cortisol is an action hormone. So, stress, which is fight or flight, which both require action, also will require cortisol. So, cortisol is think of stress as a super action. Now, when you turn on the cold shower, I'm not talking like I'm talking like full on cold and you're just like there and you got the whole like. That is the stress response. Yes, you got adrenaline, but you also got tons of cortisol flooding the system because that is your fight or flight. It's cold. This is uncomfortable. Let's get out of here. Now, stress happens in what we call the HPA axis. The HPA stands for hypothalamus, to the pituitary, to the adrenal glands. Your hypothalamus detects the stimulus from your environment. In this case, we, are, we have cold water coming down on us. We need to get out. So it sends a signal to the pituitary gland, pituitary, get people on this right away. The pituitary is like middle management, middle management. And they'll say like, I got it. And it will release a hormone, cortisol stimulating hormone, through the circulation to your adrenal glands, which just sit on top of your your kidneys. Now, your your adrenal glands secrete epinephrine, adrenaline, um, and uh, cortisol, those three, all fight or flight, right? Action, action. These things flood your, your your body and you get all those uh, symptoms of stress, right? Increased heartbeat, like freezing, uh, the shortness of breath, all those things, right? Your blood sugar goes up, your blood pressure goes up. Now, what happens is that, yes, you're flooding your system with stress, 100%. And this is where hormesis comes in, because you turn off the water. If you were to stay in that water and it gets cold and cold and cold, we got... You know, maybe the, the, the risk of frostbite, mm-hmm. that's hormesis. So why is this beneficial? As soon as you turn off the ho- cold water, your hypothalamus detects we've escaped. It tells the pituitary gland, you did a good job, turn it all off. And it turns off your cortisol system. Mm-hmm. This is crucial because your brain, now you're training your brain to be mm-hmm. good at turning off the stress. So if you do take cold showers on a regular basis and your brain becomes better and better and better at turning off the stress, then you have less chronic stress, which is the stuff that you don't require action for. Stuck in traffic, deadline, uh, fear, stress, relationships, all this shit. You feel more and more and more at peace. I I, never thought of it
0: that Yeah, I never thought of it from that angle. And it makes so much sense. (laughs)
2: Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a recommend... People come in to see me for meal plans. I send them out to uh, (laughs) go take cold showers.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, wow. It's like you're you're retraining your mind to understand how to when the stress response happens, how to focus and how to go through it. Exactly. Wow. That's, fuck, cold showers reduce your stress in regular life. Who would have thought? Yeah,
2: Yeah, they improve your sleep. They reduce your stress. I I had, uh, like the person that... um, they got off of their antidepressants. They're uh, an IT person in front of the computers all day, drinks coffee, energy drinks, uh, stays up super, super late, uh, comes into labor, you know, like the, you know, the type. Yeah. Yeah. And cold showers changed their lives because just that, they felt a lot more. First, you guys take cold showers. You feel energetic. You feel like freaking. You're charged. You're yeah. charged. Yeah. And that's just because you escaped danger like you feel charged. Like if you've just got away from an attack or from a line, you'll be like, wow.
1: (laughs) It's true. true. I remember going skydiving and just being like, like I I was just so scared shitless and I I couldn't bring my, like my legs were jelly. I couldn't jump out of the plane, but then the experience and then the landing and then like everyone around you becomes your best friend. And you're just like, this is so good. Like you're just on top (laughs) of the world, man. And it's, yeah, that's a that's with my mind. Yeah, that's maybe a different. Yeah. But that, that's the thing is, like, I thought I, I always work with analogies because, like, I'm not a scientist. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just kind of getting this info. And I think it's like bicep curls, you know, and it's like I'm getting stronger because the, the, the cold shower is tough. And then you put the weights down and you walk around with those big muscles. But the truth is, the, the putting down the stress is, is its own muscle in a way. And that's blowing mm-hmm. my mind. I love that. Thinking it's it exactly
2: the same thing. I love thinking of the mind as a muscle. So mm-hmm. say you do bicep curls, right? You just day one, you hit the gym, you see a program, bicep curls. You're not going to pick up 80-pound weights the first day. You're going to do them. You're going to tear up your muscle. Yeah. you got to start small. Same thing with cold showers. If you've never done in your life, you just go gung-ho and pull on <laughs> in the middle of January and full-on cold, that shit hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> <feel> it
1: hurts. <laughs> but
2: seriously. Like, I've been doing cold showers now every day for about two years. And now I'm full on walking out barefoot in shorts in the middle of winter. Wow. It's amazing. Like, it, it sounds crazy, but you just build your system, your tolerance up to such a level. And yeah, you know, it's like the guy now who can do 80 pound bicep curls, but he didn't start off that way. And it's just re- retraining your mind and retraining yes. your ability to adapt, to be resilient. And in, and a resilient body is also a resilient mind. So you more mm. resilient to stress.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? Ever since, because I haven't been con- very consistent in my cold showers, but there was moments where it would be like uh, like a month straight. I would just be doing it and then I'd take a, like some time off. But I don't wear winter coats anymore. And that's just, my body just understands what's cold and how I can breathe through it. And it's funny you mention that because, yeah, I drive around and stuff, but when I'm outside, I just have my either T-shirt or sweater on and I feel great. And it's, it's before cold showers, I would go out and be like, oh, it's freezing. I need to cover up and tie it up. But it's really, that's probably more your mind actually versus what your body's feeling.
2: Yeah. And the more you do it, you say, okay, so I feel cold as well. But does the cold bother me? That's the other, Mm. that's the most important question. Can Mm. I live with this cold? Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Nice. Mm.
2: And it's kind of hormesis. Like we're not going for for a five hour trek here, right? In a t-shirt. We're going from a car. So, yeah, you can survive. Be uncomfortable.
1: Mm. Be uncomfortable. You kind of need that permission from someone like Wim though, or you need the science to come out and start backing people up, because, like, <laughs> yeah. <you> know, <laughs> when, yeah, it, it helps yeah, with the, so. the fear, almost, the intellectualization. Like, like when I, I've, been, I've, I've been walking around barefoot in the snow also, and, I mean, it hurts. You, yeah. Even if you're getting used to it, like, you're, it hurts. And I look down at my feet, and I'm going, okay, is it turning blue or is it turning red? that's yeah. like i'm i'm actually just checking because i don't trust my brain anymore because my body's saying get the fuck out you know and like yeah. it it it, come, it gets to the point where like i notice it in people like my my mom will be like oh put a coat on it's cold out i'm like mom i walk around barefoot like what are you <laughs> saying <laughs> like, it, it's you can't let go of these uh paradigms you know and and that's that's where analogies kind of fall apart like we were talking about gut bacteria before we treat it like you're talking about it like a forest, sort of, you know, yeah. and like it's really like the system. Like you're saying, the nervous system gets involved, and hormones, and it, and things pass through the blood, and it talks to the brain. We we think of things so simply, yeah, and and people, most people just kind of have to experiment. And when it comes to something like diet, it can really trip you up because yeah. you, you think you're progressing a certain way, but you're actually like like uh, promoting a certain bacteria that's like you know like you you cut the sugar out and it starts multiplying because it feels like it's dying yeah. and then you break because you you get the cravings start getting more like stronger and stronger and you have to kind of go over this hump like it's so complicated it's like it's again really i just I, it's analogies do you use analogies a lot when you're teaching like do you or do you just I try do. to direct i like to
2: i like to use analogies but the thing is that analogies can be hijacked <laughs> right, so they're not. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no perfect analogy because if we went, if we continue with the forest, and it was like, well, a biodiverse forest is great, which is good. We want by, we want diversity in our Old gut growth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you if you say are taking antibiotics or you're eating a lot of sugar, let's take sugar for example. There's something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that happened at the distal part of your your gut. So this is basically bacteria are just growing like mad around there because you're taking in sugar and bacteria, those pathogenic bacteria are loving the sugar. So they will mass like in, in clumps to, to get at that sugar. So what you have here is an, a dysfunctional distribution of gut. So here you have like a massive population of metropolis of guts and then you have like a rural area of bacteria but that's not normal. Hmm. But then what happens is that This bacteria is causing an imbalance, and this imbalance is going to cause symptoms like heartburn, IBS, ulcerative colitis down the road. It's very, very hard to diagnose. But now we know that we can actually find different species of bacteria that are more associated with obesity and those that are more associated with uh, being normal weight. And I wrote a paper once for AskMen.com about fecal transplants because that stuff fascinated me. Yeah. By simply taking the, the, the bacteria from a, from a stool sample of a skinny person and introducing them into an obese person, this will change the, the environment, gut bacteria environment, and that person will start to lose weight. Whoa. That's, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> That is that is mind blowing. That's so,
1: fascinating. Yeah, that's crazy. I was,
2: um, I was I was thinking like, I gotta get into this business, man. I'm gonna make a business with stool banks instead of blood
1: <laughs> banks. It's like, hey, you wanna lose weight? Take this yeah. shit pill. <laughs> Take this <laughs> shit pill. Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I'm just as fascinated as you are because I, I've heard of people like I mean it's it's almost like too simple. Obviously, it's very complicated. We just kind of yeah. talked about how it's it can get it can get really complicated An individual as well, but it's like you I didn't know about that. Like, uh, like skinny person to fat person, fat yeah. person gets skinnier. But they also talk about like, uh, like a, let's say a happier person, put it into a depressed person, they get happier. Like the gut is just this kind of nexus, like this chakra for so much going on in your body, and you can literally like, like scrape some bacteria, like this, this, this snapshot of the environment, like of the person's gut, like through their, through their, through their shit, through their, through their. Yeah. their Fecal. It's like a fingerprint.
2: I can actually identify hmm. you by your shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. That's But that's, I can't imagine all the, the applications. I can't, I can't, like, it seems like uh, endless.
2: Well, we know it's, we're, we're just beginning. Um, the research is really fascinating. We're beginning to look at gut bacteria. And like, this is what I was talking about before with the fermented foods. We we all thought that eating more fermented foods is amazing. And I still promote fermented foods, right? Because sauerkraut and kimchi, yes, and yogurt, yes, yeah. they're all associated with positive health outcomes. But maybe the outcomes is not due to reseeding your gut bacteria. Maybe these outcomes are due to something else. And I have to be comfortable saying that we don't know what that is.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: you know, it's complex. You get it, you take a complex life form, like food and you put it into a complex life form, life form like us, there's a whole bunch of interactions that, that we cannot map out. Mm, uh, yeah. So you have to look at these endpoints. What are the health benefits? Like, um, and, and, and I hate to say it, again, this is why I'm a little bit uh, on the fence about nutrition research. These endpoints are not, not only associated with your diet, but they're also associated with so many other things that are going on in your life.
0: That's yeah. my beef with a lot of these studies is that it's not taking into account lifestyle habits, whether they're smokers, their high stress environment, or their lack of sleep, dehydrated. Like there's so many factors that, like you said, will affect your cortisol levels and all sorts of things. It's really complex yeah. when you look at nutrition. And I kind of I love your approach because you're you're taking everything into account, you know.
1: Yeah, you have if, to. Yeah. I think okay. the future's going in this holistic Oh, I hope
2: so, but I'm telling I, you, like I'm in the Department like- of Nutrition, and there's a lot of funding to try to tease out what's going on, but it's all going towards the wrong thing. Now, I presented this. I took a few uh, minutes uh, in my class to throw a bomb, and this is this so controversial. And all the students like, are thinking, like, why am I even in nutrition? It's just a useless thing. First, I, I am reluctant to even call nutrition a science because in all scientific fields, you have base rules, right? Chemistry, physics, biology have a basic rule. And then when you're going to do experiments, you're going to do an experimental protocol and compare it to the base. The problem in nutrition is that there's no such thing as the perfect human diet. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the baseline is. So with no baseline, what we can do is only compare. But if we're going to compare, we've got to really be careful what we're comparing to. Now, I will say right now, and I know anybody who's like a, a hardcore nutrition fan is going to hate me for this, but it's true. The research shows that epidemiological sciences, like uh, prospective studies, is pseudoscience. So a prospective study is I, I give you a questionnaire and I ask you what you ate today, yesterday, on the weekend, whatever. I come back next year and I give you the questionnaire again. I give you the next year or the, you know every five years, whatever like that. And then in 10, 15, 20 years from now, you die of cancer or you die of heart disease. And I'm going to look back at what you've been eating for the last 20 years. I'm going to make an association with that. Yeah. Well, we, we can already see tons of problems with this, right? But the yeah. major, major problem is dietary recall. We never, and this has been shown time and time again, that if, you, if I was to give you a food frequency questionnaire or a dietary recall questionnaire – You're going to lie because what you're going to put down is not what you actually ate,
1: but what you usually eat or what you're, you know, what you're like, what you want to portray sort of like, Like you might
0: skip out the midnight snacks
1: or you might
2: It's like, Hey, what'd you eat yesterday? And you're like, Oh shit. I ate McDonald's yesterday, but it's not what I usually eat. So I'm not going to put that down because the researchers rightly so will think that you're eating McDonald's
1: every day. And that's not true. That's so funny. There's like a, Oh, Hey, I just want, I want you to be mindful. I, I think your microphone is like hitting your shirt and it creates like oh, a swoosh. Sorry, that's for you guys. If okay. It, I just oh. realized, I just, I was wondering what that sound was. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's, it's really funny because like, I don't know, the, what's that big one? The China study or something like that? Yeah, like the China like study. like a famous one. Yeah. So you're, what you're saying is like that, that expression that we, that we use where it's like, you know, I don't remember what I ate a week ago. Yeah. That's literally what those entire studies are based on. Let alone all the deeper science of like, what is your gut bacteria at the time? What is your genetic and epigenetic situation? And what is your like? I get that's enough already. I don't need to. I don't need to list more. Like, th- there's would, so would, much would, convolution would, happening. Not only that, but if you follow, like, honestly, were you following
2: carnivore and keto for the last five years? No. Uh, no. 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 Keto. Keto, I, maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe. No, no, well, like <laughs> not mean, was I following it like was I eating it that way?
2: Yeah. Oh like, hell no. what, what you're eating now hell no. was, was it the same way that you were eating it three, four years ago? Yeah.
1: Is it changing. gonna be
2: the same way that we're eating three, four years from now? No. And that's that's because we're human. We don't we're not we're not freaking animals in the wild where we only have access to one or two <laughs> things. We have a we're complex emotional beings. And the science has a really, really hard time with that. So, yeah, nutritional research, the golden standard are randomized controlled trials, but that's unethical, Mm. right? You can't, I can't have a randomized controlled trial for 20 years (laughs) and keep you in a cage and figure out what happens.
1: (laughs) So it's just like, it's just a lot of hard science that you have to throw at this thing that is so ambiguous. Like there's no way to, to, to track this properly. It's, it's so funny because you're an expert in this field. So you're the one saying, like, I'm saying from the inside out, this doesn't make any fucking sense. My field sucks. My field sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a way, I mean, science is like this you're curious and it's mysterious and you're trying to get answers. So right. you're, you, your job is set for life <laughs> if you think of it in a, in a positive way. Yeah, no, it's true. And um, because nutrition is so ambiguous,
2: that's why I use an evolutionary approach. Because for me, yes, you have always everyone from vegan to carnivore. Like, what's the most ideal diet for, for humans? And I'm thinking, like, well, let's look at an evolution. And mm. so I think it's important for all nutritionists uh, mm. or any health coaches to really set themselves like, all right, well, this is my framework. And. I chose a good one because I believe in evolution, most of my clients believe in evolution, and it makes sense. Um, So yes, carnivore and keto have evolutionary templates in the past, it makes sense, whereas veganism
1: does not. That's interesting, I never thought of it that way. So you're like, you realize that you can't kind of slap this together with traditional science, so you lean into the fallacy and then kind of come at it sideways and, and, and try to just be logical about it. So it's like, yeah. I guess we'll just rely on, it's still a kind of rainbow fits all thing. But it's, you're starting at least from this point of view where it's like, well, we're humans. We evolved on this planet and, you know, the sun and the, all the whole, like you said, you know, like you guys, exercise. And
2: seasons. We, yes. well, okay. So this is where the ancestral health right? the ancestors come in. A lot of nutrition research doesn't look at these divergent evolutionary uh, patterns. Now, say we're Nordic, we're white-skinned, we're from Nordic ancestry. So all Nordic climates from the South and the North Poles have very distinct seasons. Winter and summer are like Mm. two different things. Now, if if, if we're living off the wild, we're hunting and fishing. During the winter, we only have one choice, hunting and fishing. There's no vegetables, there's no fruits, there's no carbohydrates. So we absolutely now human beings are require a lot of energy to power our brain. So we absolutely need to figure out what to do in case there's no carbs. And that happened every year. And then sometimes during the ice ages, it happened for years, mm. which is basically keto or carnivore. It's the ice age diet, if you want to think of it that way. <laughs> oh, cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, now we had to develop these systems now the human being homo sapiens are the the only mammal in the world that is so efficient at getting into ketosis bears don't even get into heavy ketosis like homo sapiens and they hibernate every winter but homo sapiens requires a good supply of glucose and or ketones to supply this very energy demanding organ and so nature says well if we're going to survive ice ages and winters we have to come around with a solution. So we're gonna make the the human species very good at falling into ketosis in the absence of carbohydrates. So if it was not for that ability, we wouldn't be here. So yes, Mm. ketosis is a natural human evolutionary development. That's
1: interesting, but um, I've always wondered, because I've experimented with some diets for sure, um, and I've noticed, especially when I tried uh, ketogenic diets, obviously I failed miserably from day one, (laughs) But, like, I kind of tried – I didn't have, like, the, the, the piss sticks or anything. Like, I didn't know if I was even in ketosis. But it was, in itself, a stressful experience yeah. on my body. Not just the emotionally, but, I mean, like, I felt like – if you're in a kind of starvation for a long period of time, like, I felt stressed out. I felt my sleep got disrupted. Like, it, yeah. it itself became a, a kind of, like, damaging thing, if you will. I don't know.
2: What were you eating before?
1: Oh, garbage see garbage just bread and sugar and oh, i right. have a sweet tooth man i got i got 30 sweet teeth i'm screwed <laughs> i, 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 well, I, mean, I could tell you what to do step by step for that but but that's normal <laughs> it on on. They call it the keto flu
2: they call that like yes you're gonna full on i had a client puke while oh, they were uh, so i i know.
0: was having withdrawal symptoms i was shaking and shivering you know for, sure. for three days i was like my I had to kind of take some days off and just relax because I was literally my teeth were were trembling at some points, you know. Wow! And I was mm-hmm. just thinking about sugar, just thinking about sugar the whole time. and I, I didn't yeah. know it was that
1: bad, man. That's yeah, I know. It's it's really amazing weird. how it hijacks your brain. Like I remember yeah. I did um, a like paleo. I don't know yeah. if that's like a four-letter word for you guys, but like <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> I did a kind of paleo like a few years ago, and I was doing fine. It was a great diet. I'm, you know, like I'm. I'm kind of this like Mediterranean, like uh, vegetable, meat, fish. Like if, I, as soon as I cut out bread, I feel good. So I was doing this for a good six months and it was like easy. Cause I was living on my own and I just controlled what I ate. Then I just followed my friend one day to a Tim Hortons. Mm. And it's like, it's like a sex addict walked into a, a, uh shop. Exactly. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a heroin addict walked into a, a pharmacy. Like I, I, my eyes popped the fuck out of my head and I was like I it, it became like the feelings instantly became thoughts like I just knew in this deep down oh, way that I have to eat that and I and I was like dude I gotta get out of here and he's like what's wrong I was like I got no time to explain yeah it was very it was visceral it was so real it was, it was, it was very educational you know what you're not the only
2: one it's a I mean, not, not only like we're, we're, you know, we're having an obesity epidemic and carb addiction, sugar addiction, but all animals, if you give them access to sugar, they will totally binge. And again, from an That's evolutionary standpoint, that makes complete sense. Mm. Here's, here's a thought experiment. We're out camping. All right, we're cavemen. What's the sweetest thing that you can find naturally growing in, in nature?
0: Berries.
2: Fruit. Yeah, fruit. exactly. Now, fruit is low fat. What's the fattiest thing that you can find in nature?
0: Nuts. That's a good
2: point. Meat. It's usually meat. Animals, right? Yeah, yeah. So animals, (laughs) animals, now we eat animals and plants. Now animals are low carb, naturally, high protein, high fat. Mm -hmm. And plants are high carb, low protein, low fat. So we love, um, we love carbs, but carbs, remember going back to the analogy, not the analogy, the fact that we're seasonal, right? Now we have a drive, Again, these are white skin. I can talk about equatorial ancestry as well, which is a little bit different because the, se- the seasons are more wet-dry, but there's still that evolutionary drive. But equatorial ancestry, that's kind of fascinating because you have a short growing season of carbohydrates when fruit and vegetables grow out in the wood. So you have a drive to consume as many carbohydrates as you can in order to put a nice fat layer, safety layer, in order to increase your chances of survival for the coming winter. Hmm. So the human body was, and the human brain was designed to seek out carbs, and that's dopamine. That's that neurotransmitter, dopamine, that seek and reward. And you will go through any culture, and there's some cultures in, I think, Malaysia that they will, cl- cl- you know, climb a sheer wall of a cliff to get to a beehive just to get the honey. And they're they called bee. BT- I don't know. There was a National Geographic. Uh, Documentary years and years ago, and it's like a riskiest thing. Yeah. And they take their most fit and agile people because the death rate is so high. But damn it, it's worth it just to get mm. to that honey. So that's what you were doing in Tim Hortons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're about to risk your life, man. It's so worth yeah. it. But what is that drive, that, that dopamine that you're willing to do that in order to just get that sugar high? Yes. In this world where we're surrounded by sugar. Every day of the year, it doesn't matter if it's winter or spring, it's completely out of context with our evolutionary purpose of... There's a a reward button everywhere you look, you can get a reward. Every every time, that dopamine. And that's a thing that I've been introducing to my clients, take a dopamine fast, start meditating, get away from social media, phone notifications, emails, Netflix, porn, Tinder, uh, anything that's kind of addictive, and just go like all you can do is read walk outside meditate exercise and that's it try that and
0: that's having the same effect as like what we spoke about with the cold showers and how it's slowly reprogramming your mind to to understand like where the focus should be and you're not kind of a victim to your impulses and your dopamine and your 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 constant need for that pleasure button lack of better terms you know
1: it's addictive yeah. The yeah. sugar, salt, fat of life, sort
2: of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. And these addiction, it's all the same pathway. Now, dopamine has a few pathways in the brain, but one pathway, and this is, there's, there's a big genetic component of it. There's a pathway that goes, it's called the, um, the mesolimbic pathway. It goes through your emotional centers of your brain, right, limbic. And then there's a mesocortical pathway, which is more the frontal cortex, which is rationality. So many of us have addictions. It right? may be maybe sugar for you, maybe gambling, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol. But what happens is that you have such a strong emotional pathway that it doesn't matter how logical you are, you have zero willpower or close to zero willpower mm. when that stimulus is there, when you walk into that, that Tim Hortons. Yeah. But you had, I don't know, thank God you walked out because walking out is actually the, the prefrontal cortex. Now, even psychologists will call it the wild monkey. The monkey brain and the yeah. human brain. So, say you're on a carnivore, a keto diet, or a low carb diet. You just want to lose weight, and you just want to avoid junk. But you have that wild monkey, and if you ever give him a banana, the wild monkey is not going to fetches. Yes, please, boom, boom. And all these rationalizations will come in, like, don't worry about it. Tomorrow I'll start it up again. Yeah, just to, this is a cheat, meal. I had a hard yeah. day. I'm tired. I'm the. I know it. We're all king of excuses. I know yeah. it. Yeah. But the human <laughs> cortex. The mesocortical pathway—that's that delayed gratification. That's that monkey that says, "Like, I know you want the monkey. I know you want the banana, but what's more important to you is the long-term goal, whatever that is." Mm. So when I tell my clients, like, they're always on their screens, right? They're always like, they, they first thing they get up, they check their their notices, their uh, notifications. The not- notifications. Notification, yeah. yeah, thank you email, social media, and the last thing they do before going to bed is they're scrolling through their social media feed. That's horrible. You're Mm -hmm. a constant, from the moment you wake up up, to the moment you go to bed, you're on constant stimulation mode. Back in the days, I used to do the dishes and household chores without having the need to watch a YouTube video at the same time for fear of being bored. Mm -hmm. But now we're all afraid of being bored. So you have to really reduce all like, these, these stimulations as much as possible, mm. which is why I have a rule for a lot of my, my clients, no screen time 30 minutes after waking up or before, before going to bed. So what do you do? You meditate, you read, you go yeah. for a walk, you do yoga, I don't care. It's just be like, bored. Be bored, be comfortable mm. being uncomfortable. Like, can they say like, uh, I can't read, like, my, my attention span is all over, that's the point. i can't meditate i was like that's the point like i to practice exactly like i've done crazy hard stuff like the cold showers i'd even jumped in the middle of st lawrence in the middle of winter i fasted for seven days i quit coffee recently that shit was hard but it was nowhere near as hard as taking up meditation because that that mind that's a tough cookie to crack yeah oh yeah but but once you get used to quietness stillness and more like an inter introspection, like taking the time out to say, like instead of being stimulated stimulated by my outside environment twenty four, well, whatever sixteen hours while you're awake, take the time to wake up and like take a, an assessment. All right, what are my goals for today? What are my intentions? How am I gonna How am I going to react to stuff that's gonna go bad today? For example, like am I gonna come out positive, negative? All like these things that set your mind with intention and optimism and joy and happiness, these are mm. profound. Mm.
1: Yeah, you become the horse in front of the carriage instead of just taking the ride. It's, well it's like yeah. well the the way
0: the way I see it is you're you're Thank strengthening you. we use the mind as a muscle, we're strengthening the front the frontal cortex to be the main thinker and not yeah. in victim
2: to the monkey brain. But yes. Yeah. And the important thing is if you're going to address one thing first, it has to be the monkey brain first. An elimination diet, if you will. That's okay. why elimination diets work. Because I don't care how much broccoli or water or, or stuff you eat it's just so good. It's not, you're not going to get any results if you're not cutting out the fast food, the sugar, and the salt. Eliminate first. So eliminate or at least limit your exposure to these dopamine hits. One. And then you'll find like meditation works. You're able to pay, you know, focus on reading, focus on meditation. It's, mm. yeah. And it's, it's almost like you, oh, sorry. No, sorry. But the thing is, it's related to sugar as well. So if you have a sugar craving, look at your entire lifestyle. Are you looking at a lot of, are you looking at a lot of screens? Are you looking at a lot of TV? Because you are feeding that wild monkey. Yes. And that wild monkey wants sugar. Because sugar is part of the reward system.
0: It wants the instant gratification everywhere in your entire life. Exactly. Mm. You know, Uh, I noticed because now I'm on carnivore way more. Uh, Like uh, I'm on the carnivore, but I notice I want to train more. I want to wake up earlier. I want, I have a sauna now. I want to go in the sauna. I want to do things. Yeah. I ordered on Amazon. It's like a tent. It's like a steam sauna. It's great. Everyone listening. If you, if you have a little, little bit of money, it's like 240 bucks. Get a sauna. It's legit. Oh, that's affordable. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. And so, but I noticed that now that I'm cleaning up my diet and everything, it's just my lifestyle's kind of manifesting into that mindset too. And I'm noticing I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to watch those those Netflix series. I want to go outside. I want to do things and move and and even meditate is actually something I'm incorporating more now. So it's it's crazy how it all just tumbles together once you start paying attention to it.
2: You went in from a good side. You went in from the nutrition side. You got over that uncomfortable, that trial by fire, I call it. Yeah. And then you got like the whole, like the, the, gates, of, the gates of heaven, heaven open up. <laughs> but a lot of people, just that, a lot of my clients who are real hardcore carb addicts or sugar addicts, going through those trial by fire, they don't mm. last, right? And trial by fire lasts a minimum, in my opinion, three weeks. Because mm. three weeks is where you usually hit a plateau. And that's where you're motivated at the beginning. And then you had a, you know, you're, you're checking out the scale. And I'm not a big fan of checking out your scale all the time. But three weeks is usually where you hit a plateau. And that's completely natural. But if you want to lose weight, that's extremely discouraging. Yeah. And so they say, fuck this. I'm going to go. It's not working anymore. And yeah. You,
1: so, so you I stuck think, to it. I, I was just going to say, I feel like we're hitting on something without really saying it. But like people are really hard on themselves and like, the, 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 that forward brain, that kind of human brain, that's just another animal that we have to worry about. Like that, it's not, a lot of people, myself included, I might just be projecting here, but like, <laughs> there's just this like, the, there's this uh, mentality that you have to like strong arm the situation and regain control of your life. And every moment is a decision. And, and when you fail, when you take the wrong decision, you fail But yeah. the truth is what we're talking about is don't trial by fire don't cold turkey and think that you're just going to like, like force your life into this new shape. It's, it's a practice. Like I said earlier, like, like you're, you, you do things in these small habits and it's, it's the sugar, salt, fat, you know, there's a, there's a genetic, there's an evolutionary motivation, but there's an evolutionary motivation in exercise also and in meditation and in community and all these other things. It's just habit. It's just a little thing every day. Whereas, whereas we're, we're stressing out because we're like, no, I have to be this thing. It's like, no, There's the human is an animal that you have to train and the monkey is an animal that you have to train It's not you being this thing all the time It's just relax and and do some tiny things every day And I I just wanted to say that because it's something I'm learning now I'm 32 and I'm fucking finally figuring it out and I just want (laughs) to throw it out there Some people don't figure
2: it out in their entire lives. They don't figure it out. That's Mm.
1: really good That's
2: really good, but you're 100% right.
0: Yeah,
2: we're very hard on ourselves and like it, it, worked, it worked for you because you went in cold turkey. And here's the thing. I, I like cold turkey. I, I like it because it's kind of like uh, an alcoholic who has to give up, right? And things with carbs. The problem is that we're surrounded by carbs. Carbs are at family gatherings and special occasions. Yeah. So then you're like a little bit of a social outcast if you don't partake in a birthday cake, for example. <laughs> But that's not the point, right? The point is not to be 100% strict. The point is, is to understand and to be in control. So this is where the power of self-discipline is. Mm. Self-discipline is doing something that you really don't feel like doing. So if you want to have cake, yes, have cake. But do you have the self-discipline in order to not binge or like completely wreck your diet? Yeah. And get to that point. So what? how do you become self-disciplined? Self-discipline is a muscle. Just like everything else that we've been talking about. Yes. And um, that, that's the thing with consistency, because we all know, right? If you're going to stick to something, you got to stick to it. You can't just be yo yoing and try this out and not do it and stuff like that. And consistency is habit. And habits are really, really, really hard to take up. Yeah. Right? To bring up. And so you need to have that self discipline. But if you're always giving in to that, that, that monkey brain, that's the opposite of self-discipline that's procrastination that's uh instant gratification
0: which is crazy because those are also muscles you
2: know and if you
0: really look at it objectively you can actually it takes equal effort to use either muscle just we're so strong in those muscles you know
2: because one's way too pleasurable
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's the right buttons
0: i i wanted to ask you uh because you were mentioning plateaus right before uh How does someone deal with a plateau and how do they work through a plateau? Is there something they need to change in their diet or in their habits or they just got to muscle through that moment?
2: They can muscle through it. It really depends on your if you're a man, a woman, really overweight, not that overweight, stress level sleep. There's so so many things that's causing a plateau. But a plateau is usually caused by this hormone leptin. Now, leptin is basically like an inventory manager. While you're asleep, every single fat cell will release leptin. Leptin goes to your brain, and your brain takes inventory of how many fat cells. The more fat cells you have, the more leptin you have. Okay. Now, if you're starting to lose a lot of fat fast because you're on a keto or carnivore diet, there's less and less leptin going to your brain. And your brain says, like, okay, okay, hold on now, wait. And it takes about three weeks in order for the brain to say, we got to put a stop on this because at the rate we're going here, because fat is a survival tissue, right? Mm-hmm. Fat has, it's, it's very important. It's your RRSP. It's your long-term savings plan. Yeah. So if you're dipping into your RRSP all the time, your brain, just like your bank, is going to say like, whoa, we got to figure out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So your metabolism changes and leptin production changes. And this is why most people quit at that point. Leptin, leptin is the reason why you're sitting on your couch eating chip Five days after starting a new training plan, for example, you know, it's leptin putting on the brakes. So Mm. how do you bust through that? You can continue with that, but you have to, you have to tell your brain, you have to convince your brain that everything's good. So how do you convince your brain that everything's good? Sleep. Sleep Sleep. is probably the most important thing to convince your brain that we're sleeping in a safe, tranquil environment. Mm. But we but sleep deprivation right now is an all time high, so we have our cortisol. Hmm. So I want to get back to the question of plateau because I do have like three awesome tricks to go. But first, you have to understand that that's where sleep is here. Now, sleep is that when we're at our most vulnerable, right? We can be attacked. We can (laughs) we can be stabbed. Now. We have a false sense of security because back before houses and stuff, we used to sleep as a group. And if you look at most mammals, there's always groups of people sleeping because of the security. And even now, there's more and more research that shows that kids with ADHD and uh, attention deficit disorders, weighted blankets help. And that weighted blanket kind of emulates the feeling of being close to someone. So the security in numbers, right? Mm. But we're sleeping in our beds, secure in the fact that we're locked in our houses and no one's going to come in and no lion or no bird bird is coming in so we we feel okay safe. But what's happening is that we're not consistent with our sleeping patterns. We're not going Mm. to bed at the same time. We're ignoring our environmental cues of the sunset and the sunrise because artificial light will mess up those cues.
0: Circadian rhythm.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, if you have an imbalance in circadian rhythm, you have an imbalance in your number of sleep cycles. Your melatonin is not going to be excreted optimally because melatonin does not rise in the abs- in the presence of light. The absolute blue light specifically. Yeah, but if there's blue light, your melatonin is not going to rise as it should. And blue light isn't, you know,
0: screen, so it's TV screens. TV screens, the phones, exactly.
2: Everything. Exactly. Yeah. So. Now you have the whole fight or flight thing going on, but low level because it's the fight or flight basically saying like, we're not sleeping well. What's going on? Maybe we should sleep somewhere else where it's safer, but we're not. We're ignoring that. So our cortisol levels go up and up and up. If your cortisol is going up and up, forget about busting through that plateau. That cortisol is meant for action. And for action, you need energy. And for energy, you need to store energy as well. A good analogy I like to use is, say, for example, we're all here safely in our houses, but all of a sudden a war breaks out outside. you gotta, you got to get out of there. you got to bug out. So you grab all the essential things. Well, what I think is essential, food, water, and medicine, and weapons. Your body does the exact same thing. It hangs on to food with body weight. It hangs on to water with water retention. And the weapons and medicine is inflammation, which is mm. good and bad depending on how it is. And you're going to put this in a backpack. And you're going to keep going and keep going until you find a place to stop. But if you, if you come across more food, more water, you're going to put it in your backpack. And that's mm-hmm. what obesity is. And that's what water retention, bloating, and inflammation goes up too. So yeah. the longer you go without good quality, natural, restorative sleep, the more stress you're going to become. And it's going to be really harder to get through that plateau. So plateau tip number one, I finally got around to it.
0: <laughs>
2: get more sleep more sleep nutritionally we can play with carbohydrates a lot if you're a woman more carbs is actually more beneficial to bust through a plateau okay. if you're a male i find that going zero carbs like full-on carnivore or keto or, or something like that can actually make you bust through a plateau as well mm. um, there's a lot of tricks as well like um, certain supplements can help you bust through a plateau certain exercises can help you bust through a plateau but uh
1: my number one nice. trick is look at your sleep, look at your stress levels first. It's amazing how it ties in that way. And like you, you, you think of like, uh, like, your, like, like your quality of sleep, but you don't think about it like informing your body, informing your mind that way yeah. to, to, to let you know that you're safe, to let you know that like this is, this is affecting your cortisol, this is affecting your whole day. That, yeah. Again, we're going into that holistic idea and that like it's not about consciousness and will, it's about like maintaining It's about environment sort of like we're getting we're getting ahead of the problem by by being conscious of like like our our aquarium sort of you know like our (laughs) well that's it and all this is evolutionary look
2: at homo sapiens we were we never went to the gym ever your grandmother's never went to the gym and obesity wasn't a problem out there we're all super healthy what's going on well we just did low level low intensity steady-state exercises walking we carry stuff we did chores we were outside way more often mm. we ate what was seasonally available we ate meat we we ate plants i remember heck i remember when i was a kid my grandmother says like well strawberries are not in season now so but that's not the case anymore you want strawberries you can get them at any time because they're imported from all own. You know grow. yeah exactly yeah so w- the modern world where we're living right now is out of balance with the way we were designed and so my whole raison d'être, my whole goal is to reintroduce or to biohack these evolutionary stimuli in our modern world in order to live by our genetic code. Yeah. that makes sense, yeah.
0: It's like the, it's honestly the best blueprint we have to, to, to living a proper life, you know, because so, yeah. we're so out of balance of the way nature works. And the, a guest we had on uh, before you, Nick, Nick Gabriel, he was, uh, Nick Gregoriatis, he was talking about um, even work, it's not even going by the seasons, we have the same job, same hours the whole year, and then you take a two-week vacation or a one-week vacation, and then you go right back to it. But there's seasons of harvest, there's seasons of, of hibernation, but we're just, we're not following any of those natural laws that are, everything functions on.
2: I completely agree. Yeah. I really think that human beings would be so much more pro- so much more productive with only 3 hours of deep focused work. We can
1: accomplish as much that's, as another. That's, that's what he was talking job. about. Really? Yeah. I got to listen yeah. to that podcast. Yeah. yeah. I I got to say I I complain about the I mean I'm like an idealist so I look at society and I just complain but <laughs> <laughs> which is addictive by the way. <laughs> I guess it's, it's it, it has its place I suppose, you know, but um it, I I realize I talked about it today also like like the, the Christmas break and the summer break, they've only ever ruined my academic progress, you know? And, and the eight-hour day, like on the, on the sixth hour, I want to shoot myself in the head. You know, yeah. if, I ha- if I was working six-hour days, I'd work seven days a week, no problem. Maybe not there, but maybe I'd take a week off every month. Maybe I'd yeah. take a week off every three months. Like, I'm just sure I'd be more productive. But it's this chronic, like, reach beyond your, your, your energy uh, means. And... and It's just expected and I talked to so many friends who are like oh yeah I got to put in some overtime like they don't it's not (laughs) mandatory but they just expect it so I can't see you next Saturday because I have to work it's like dude you're doing 40 hours a week that's already too much yeah but it's just normalized and you know like uh, another guest we had recently uh, Steve Maxwell he said something he said most of us probably haven't ever even felt real hunger like you were mm-hmm. talking about the, 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 you know, the availability of sugar and carbs and stuff. Like, like when I, when I walked into that, that Tim Hortons and I freaked out, it's cause it was a good thing. It's like evolutionarily, my, my body is telling my brain, like, if you want that, you need that climb the fucking hill, get the fucking honey. Like, <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> and except, except the honey is just an exchange of, of cash and then you get it. No problem. No, no effort.
1: Dude, I was gonna break the glass. I, it's, it fucked money, bro. I was gonna, I was gonna reach through the glass like it was, like it was fucking not there, and just start eating like a croissant or like a <laughs> or something. It was so. Yeah. I felt like my lid blew off, and that's maybe the only reason that I resisted it because it was so intense that I was like, "Oh, this is wrong." Anyway, that's a, that's a, that's another right. story. You got you, that's exactly
2: it. That's exactly it. Well, when you're
0: but, talking about nutrition with seasonality, mm-hmm. are do you? So right now I'm doing carnivore. Is that something, as the seasons change and there's new foods available in our region, is that where you start to modify your diet to what the, the, the seasons are dictating?
2: Yeah, I'll be, I'll be the first one to say that um, there's no research on okay. seasonal eating, right? Okay. Um, but I do think that, here's the thing. If we we're going to go carnivore keto during the winter months, which just makes sense evolutionary, yeah. comfort. Right? There's have you guys heard of the Danish term called Hugo? Hygge? hygge is the art of comfort. Because okay. in Denmark and Scandinavia, cold winter months are associated with hot chocolate, warm blankets, wool socks, cookies, home-baked goods, comfort, right? We won't we don't want discomfort. So this is why I associate the carnivore diet with people who are welcoming discomfort in order for betterment, self-self-improvement. Um in in which case there's no rule to say you can't go keto all year. There's some people that love it. Yeah. I personally don't think it should be a forever thing. I, I think this should be more cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no rule against it. And if you love keto or carnivore and you're not suffering from any kind of imbalance or metabolic disorder, go for it. You know? nice. it's, 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 it's fine. And I'll say the same thing with veganism as well. But well, that's usually not the case. <laughs> usually, without proper supplementation, I'll have to say. Yeah. But, but there's there's an evolutionary faux pas right there. Um, so yeah, um, I I don't say eat according to season simply okay. because I'm not sure. It's it, it it a lot of people come to see for me to do keto during the summer because they want to get a, a bikini body. <laughs> Well, I'd be like, oh, but keto's more of a winter diet. No. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: That's it a good point. Yeah. And summer's yeah. tough, right? Because you've got beer on the patios and ice cream and stuff. It's tough. So okay. if you're going to start keto in the summer, be prepared. It's a tough order. Exactly. You're going to be that guy that yeah
0: Oh, <laughs> my friends they, my friends hate me
2: yeah you gotta be that guy that's
0: so there perfect you, that you said that i got oh so annoyed God. with me
1: i'm like i can't eat there blah blah, blah. it's uh it's not keto you know yeah. or i'll just
0: order a, like a, a burger with no bun i'll just eat the burger Jeez. i have so many
1: people yeah. who think i'm that guy now even when i'm not like just because i'm into yoga or something they're like you, do you eat meat you don't eat meat right like i'm i can make a vegetarian i'm like i eat meat who said i don't eat meat like they're just they're just imposing yeah. it on me now and it's like bro but I don't, know, I don't know, I don't know how good we are on time. I don't want to, I don't want to overstep, but I just like, um, I definitely want to, before we wrap up, just start firing popular diets at you and then have you just be like, no, yes, no. <laughs> like, I know it's like an oversimplification. Yeah. I might be like,
2: depends, 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 depends. <laughs> that's,
1: that's what I think is gonna the problem, yeah. going to happen. Knowing a little bit too much on the subject. <laughs> well, well, no, but I, love, I love nuance. Honestly, I love nuance. I, I don't know. Like, obviously keto like paleo is kind of going into keto if it's like more scientific so i don't know like paleo the word i think got more flack than anything and then now the carnivore diet is very popular and you talked about dopamine fasts which is not necessarily a diet but it's 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 bubbling up to the surface it's interesting because it's like we have all this technology and stuff and it's it's in the culture now it's it's becoming i see it all over youtube and it's like this is what our kids are growing up with it's like we just have to yeah i know it's really it makes me really happy but I don't know. Like, do you have any huge like do's and don'ts? Maybe instead of me just like throwing like buzzwords at you. Like a lot of people say that peanut butter is like the worst thing you can eat. Like something random like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Right? <laughs> I,
2: love I, love so I love that. <laughs> I love that.
1: But I, I love that you're you're honest. You're you're, you're an expert in the field, and you're getting to that bleeding edge. And you're saying we don't have we have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it!
2: No, I love peanut butter, but yeah, I feel. Look, it has lectins, and it, it comes from a legume, and it has vegetable oils. Yet, yeah, all these things are not great for you, right? Am I a guy who's about hey, everything in moderation? No, I'm not. I am mm. a guy like some people absolutely need to be super, super strict, and moderation is just a freaking excuse to eat everything a little bit here, a little bit there. Amen. Yeah. You know, but like say things things like gluten-containing wheats, for example, I'll be like, nah. Don't have it. Zero. It has zero benefits for you. It messes up your gut and we're eating a lot too much of it. Once in a while, is that okay? Sure. Once in a while, you know, just understand like you're not doing any good, but it tastes so good. Like, I get it. I get it. It's so freaking frustrating. I'm frustrated. I'm a guy who's prone to be obese. I'm a guy who's who has a sweet tooth, who has a carb addiction. I could devour boxes of cookies and and tubs Mm. of haagen-dazs you know and i'm not i know i'm not the only one right (laughs) i'm
0: I'm that way too yeah yeah so Um.
2: so how the hell how do you how the hell stick to anything if you can devour something that's inhumane and i'm in freaking nutrition and i coach people but that's the way i do it i relate i know how you're feeling i've done that shit too so how do we get around to it oh boy rule step number one let's start with how you wake up? And what do you do? And that's how the that's how the journey begins. Oh
0: man, Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I have a method. I want to see if you think it's decent or if I don't know. Just get your input on it. I because I I had this addiction is real and I don't think I'll ever get over it fully for uh, carbs and junk food. So what I've done is I do carnivore six out of the seven days a week, uh-huh. and then se- so I do it five. So okay, I do it five days a week. So the whole weekday. Saturday, I do a full cheat day. I just go mayhem. Whenever I want to eat, I'll just, I, I get sick. I lie on the floor afterwards and I'm just trying to huff and puff. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and then I'm not even kidding. I've spent like $100 on Saturdays just on anything I want. Yeah, it's craziness. Mr. Puffs, Krispy Kreme, yeah, McDonald's. Like, so I'll go super ham on Sunday, on Saturday, and then Sunday I'll fast the whole day. And then Monday, right back on carnivore. And I've been that's a method that's working for me, but I don't know if that's fucking up my gut biome or if it's messing up my the whole system or it's not doing that much damage. I don't know.
2: Or me I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, to get into real detail, like if you're my client, like we talk an hour to figure out like what your lifestyle is, sleeping patterns, stress patterns and all this, because what you're practicing here is called cyclical carnivorism, right? Whereas you you break your diet in order to carb up. But you're not carving up intelligently because it's a dirty it's a dirty refeed, right? <laughs> so, here's what, what I recommend. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Full 100% 7 days out of the week carnivore for 1 month, 30-day challenge, okay? Now you're going to find out that that binge is not going to be a binge because it's actually you have zero um, desire, desire, zero craving for it. You actually, and yeah, if you want to carb up, you're going to carb up on starchy vegetables like potatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, white rice, if you want, or or squash or yam okay. um, or plantain. <laughs> sure, <No>? sure. <laughs> um, so that's what I recommend. Go go for a 30 day carnivore okay. challenge. And just like keto, like listen. I love peanut butter chocolate ice cream. That to me is just like heaven on earth. You agree. <laughs>
1: I'm going to eat some junk food after this like it's,
2: oh. it's having the reverse effect. So, when I was When I was successfully on keto and I never felt this good in my life, but getting into that, oh, that takes a while, right? You gotta have all your ducks in a row. How's your sleep? How's your stress levels? Which is why during the quarantine, people's stress levels are a little high, which is not maybe not a great idea to start anything radical right now. Mm -hmm. Just you know, just do damage control. And then once it's over and things are getting back, all right, do something that you can you can survive that trial by fire. But when I was keto for a good six, seven months. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to cheat with a peanut butter chocolate ice cream at, at Dairy Queen. And I was just standing in line and I thought, I really have zero desire for this. Mm. And just next, I'm coming closer and closer. And I finally, like, I'm, it's, it's about to be me. But I said, like, no, I think I'm actually going to be. And, that, and I thought, like, who am I? What have I become? I've never said no yeah. to, to ice cream. And that's <laughs> when I had this epiphany. That I've really I'm bio, biologically, hormonally, a completely different person. Mm. I Strive to get back to that state, but I guess, as I said before, you gotta. Tough. Yeah, you gotta have all your ducks in a row.
1: Wow, that's, that's okay. it's interesting. It's like an echo. You're like, like you just identify with it. It's your favorite food. You know, like I used to eat Nutella like out of the fucking jar, man, and I yes. haven't had it in years. I just, I just, it's, it's a part of you. It's like a, just a word or like a thought, and, and you're like. You're you're, in, you're literally in line and you, and you back out. You're like, I don't want this. What am I doing here? I'm, not, kind of, I'm not that guy, right?
2: Mm-hmm. That and guy. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm not that guy who takes a exactly Nutella in the spoon. And I've been there. And I, I used to take that Nutella spoon in the ice cream. I'll say that, that was, that was a personal trainer who told me to, like, have you ever tasted that? Oh, it's so good. Like, who the hell, are you, what are you saying? Just <laughs> yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah, repeat business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great
1: get all the tricks from them I guess just um, to re-
0: the respect the time because we're a little bit over but we
2: started late um,
1: oh so this yeah. is like
2: one of those Joe Rogan's extended uh <laughs>
1: Boys. yeah i feel like we could go on forever i have a million questions man i don't i don't want to take up your time if you have uh, more to do but uh do you have anything else you want to point out like we, we didn't talk about mixing food that's something that i've always been interested in like if i just eat like nuts and blueberries in the morning i feel amazing but if i have like pasta vegetables sausage then you start like you know is that am i opening up a can of worms here like i don't <laughs> we could can kind of you, you just kind of yeah.
2: think there's, there's this whole branch of nutrition that talks about food combinations but just your gut can take a lot. Your gut can really take a lot. But if you yourself are experiencing bad combinations, yeah, that, that's, that's how, what I say. Just if it doesn't feel good combining it, don't do it.
1: You're the scientist and your body's the lab.
2: Exactly. That, but that just is awesome. like, oh, you shouldn't mix. Uh, heck, you, we all know, right, don't mix pickles with milk. We all know this. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> <Do> you? <laughs> <No. Don't> you? <laughs> 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 this
0: is I, actually, I actually have a um this is something i've been hearing in the carnivore community and i've actually heard it in other um other uh, diets too but maybe i uh, just get your input on it is that drinking water directly after eating is a no-no because of flushing out the gut biome and uh, the the bacteria i don't know the facts behind yeah. that i never believed it but i just wanted to hear it from someone else Who's qualified? No,
2: sa- same with you shouldn't drink cold water, drink it at room okay. temperature. From an evolutionary standpoint, that makes zero sense, and the science can't prove it, right? Um, so what the water does, it will dilute your, your, your digestive enzymes. So what? Your body gets the message. It will produce more to compensate. Okay. Your body's a finely tuned system. It knows what to do. But if you keep feeding it non-natural foods like processed foods and sugar— then that's when the mess up. We don't know what to do with this. There's way too much sugar. Mm-hmm. And so it'll cause an imbalance. But the water, the water aspect, I mean, I was on another podcast, and they asked me, like, what do you think of smoothies? I'm thinking, I don't, I'm not a big fan of smoothies. If you're in nature, what's the, the only thing you drink is water, and most of it is cold. So don't tell me I should be drinking room temperature water. We evolved to drink cold water out of streams. It's true. And there's no rivers of smoothies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, I love this approach because you're, it's so logical it's just you're following the lines of nature and you can use nature because we're here right now so clearly that system worked so you can keep referencing back to what worked back then is what should be working right now because we're the same we're homo sapiens we yeah. haven't we haven't evolved much maybe we got a little bit smarter but we haven't evolved much biologically at all
2: exactly know?
0: Our, little, our pinkies, pinky toes aren't really working like they used to. <laughs> and we, we get our appendix cut out every now and then, but we're pretty much the same.
2: Keep exactly. It simple, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that, and that's why I think nutrition research should really go along an evolutionary approach, a functional approach, in order to be worthwhile. So yeah, so there is a field. It's, it is called ancestral nutrition or functional nutrition, and they do have journals, but we're really a small niche And I'll admit it, the scientific community is not geared towards this thing because of this holistic aspect of it. But if we take this complex thing, say, for example, a client comes to see me and I give them an entire lifestyle redesign, nutrition, sleeping, outdoor exposure, supplementation, uh, exercise, all these things, and then then I look at the endpoint and I compare it with your traditional medicine thing, there are more and more studies being designed that way and there are more and more studies showing that yes a holistic nutritional approach is always superior and easier than the traditional approach which
1: often includes medicines yeah it's yeah. it's like a it's like a you are what you eat it's it's ayurveda i don't know how familiar you are with it but like the, they are saying like medicine and food it's the same fucking word like we're not going <laughs> to we're not going to mix a bunch of stuff it in is. a lab to question it's of dosage like,
2: it's true. Yes. That's
1: true, yeah, but I mean they even treat like like a sattvic diet and yoga they, they take out things like onions and and like spicy things because these things are like medicine in their mind You're not like why are you putting this in your body? I mean, there's other reasons also because it like messes with your breathing and like there's a whole idea behind it Like but like an ideology almost but there's it's, still it's...
2: there's still some people alive Today they're in, in their hundreds right now, but they were around when modern medicine where pills didn't really exist if you felt sick or something, it was ointments, tinctures, medicinal plants. Yeah. It was a, an apothecary, really. And it, this is just in, in, in some people's lifetimes that we have like these, these purified compounds, the pharmaceutical industry. And when I teach about medicinal, class, uh, medicinal plants to my students, they're millennials, right? They think medicine, they think pills. And it's my job to realize, that, oh, no, for the majority of our existence here on Earth, medicines have always been plants or animals. They've never been pills. Yeah. And there's a massive distrust in it. And I understand it because there's so much random shit in the plant where it grows and us. But you look at Ayurveda, and I studied Tibetan medicine for my master's degree. Mm. And to translate Western and Eastern medical systems was one of the most frustrating things that I've ever experienced. I can't go up to a Tibetan medical practitioner and say, hey, I'm doing a study on Tibetan medicinal plants and cardiovascular disease, and I'm gonna test it for antioxidant and um, cholesterol activity, so what do you recommend? And the practitioner is like, well, it depends. Much like the way I'm talking about, like the way I talk now is the yeah. way they talk. It depends on their, where do they live? And I'll tell you something that blew my mind off, which I thought was freaking silly at the time, but I completely agree. They will actually, on a prescription pad, saying, get a divorce. Your marriage is causing you too much stress and it's killing you. Oh. Can you imagine if we could do that? <laughs> <laughs> so i right. back from the doctor today, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Quick <a> job, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lord. But honestly, why
0: not, though? Why not look at all these things? You know, and why are they being ignored in health? It's like, it's the answers are in front of us. Look at everything.
1: It's, it's just a, it's a society, yep. man. It's just a, it's expectation. Yeah. But we're all sick. What, is, what do you got to do, man? And all you sick. said it, it's normalized. Yeah.
2: And to this day, I understand the, the importance of sleep. But if I ask you like, hey, how's it going? You say like, I'm freaking busy. I got so much stuff going. I'm sacrificing my sleep. I'm going to think, wow, that's amazing. But if yeah. you tell me, dude, I'm sleeping so much, I'm thinking, damn, lazy ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, or depressed or something. It's like, no, yeah. hey, man, I'm just,
0: I'm just, ha- you, I'm just relaxed. It's good. You're not working 40 hours a week. What are you doing with your time? Like, exactly. that's a question, you know? It's crazy how it's programmed into us.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I do have moments, a lot of guilt, actually. Mm. Uh, but that's society. Yeah. So we got a lot of work to do, but, One day we'll all become forest dwellers again.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's starting to look like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just, I guess we'll have to wrap it. Dude, this was such a fun conversation. I I just want to keep
1: going. I really, yeah.
0: yeah. You got to come back on once the quarantine's lifted, actually come into the studio and, you know, if like this was so much fun. My pleasure.
2: Anytime, guys. I really appreciate
0: this. Uh, If you have any plugs anywhere, because anywhere someone can follow you or maybe even work with you or something is there anything that could, I know you have a website if you just want to plug it in
2: yeah so my website is www.drpatrickowen.com dot dr com my handle at Instagram is dr Pat Owen and I'm on Facebook as well Patrick Owen ancestral health functional nutrition I'm not very active on Twitter so I'm not going to plug that in uh, <laughs> but I do want to well face to face or virtual consults um, and I do give out um, highly customized plans based on your measurements. And it starts with that routine. So it's not just a meal plan or a training plan. It's a whole like, hey, I want you to meditate, take cold showers, read a book, go outside, walk around barefoot, uh, expose yourself to this, block out blue light, all these things. Yes. And that's that's the way you go about it. And if a client
1: let me tell something it works. That's all I want to say. It works. It sounds like it will. Dude, I want to study what you studied. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting converted here. Like This is really fascinating. Awesome.
2: Well, you're part of the tribe.
1: It's, yeah. yeah, it's yeah well, I got the bug our, a while ago. Our, our
2: job is to get this podcast out to people who actually feel that. They feel like they're overwhelmed with stress and frustration and no matter what they do, they just can't get rid of their weight or thyroid issues or gut issues. Those are the people that we need to address. Because it's not just about food and exercise; it's about so much, so much more.
0: That's like scratching the surface of what needs to be changed, you know.
2: Yeah. And sometimes it's about being human, it's about all of it.
1: Yeah.
2: There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Wow.
0: Okay.
1: All right. All right, <laughs> all right man. It's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go on forever, man. Uh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you.
2: It, the pleasure's all mine, guys. <laughs> Take care.
1: Take care. We're gonna.